DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK. What? What do you want? <laughs> you to crack me up. <laughs> well, you called me out. You called me as, you know, got, hey, what's up? You, as kids say. 13 days from the opener. <laughs> Cougars, 15 days from the opener. Why don't we just get on with it and have the head coaches tell us, yeah, we know who the quarterbacks are going to be, but we don't want our opponents to know. You think Weaver really is going to be a big difference? I, I do. I think it's going to be huge. <laughs> I think it's, it's probably the most critical part. I actually don't think they're going to play games this year. They're really going to come out and say something? Uh-huh. You, the Utes. You're playing Weaver. Yeah. Of all the times, this is the time. You're not playing BYU. Play both guys and keep BYU guessing. That's an idea. And I suspect both will play. If not three. But most likely two, if I had to bet. I'd go with two. Although at that time, you know, if one looks okay in the end and the backup looks great, looks better. But, eh. The well, and there are two ways. I mean, you can alternate series, suggesting that they're awfully close. I don't think they'll do that. Or one guy plays a half, and the other guy plays it. a half. Woodingham will never do that. Or one guy plays until they've got a big lead, and then they play the other guy. He consults with Fred Sr. And Fred Sr. would never do that. He wouldn't. No, that's not football. Now, Freddie, he might do it. <laughs> That was just shot. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was too. Freddie's a little more wild cardish. He, he, he's not quite as serious as Kyle. Yeah. A little looser. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think anybody will do it. He's just inviting. We don't know what we're doing, and and I don't think Andy would do that. So they may split. They may go halves. But that's sort of a loose uh, idea. See how see how the game goes. I mean, there's no question in in their minds. I think they want to play both in, in, against Weber for sure. Uh, uh, particularly Rising, because Brewer, you know, he threw for four hundred fifty-seven thousand yards down there at Baylor and nine thousand eighty. Oh, 457,000, 9,000. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm just making up numbers. Uh, so you know. Rising is the one needs to get some more experience there. But the thing about it is both programs are having scrimmages tomorrow, I think. And by lunchtime, no later than 2 o'clock, they will know who their starter is. I have a meeting of the coaches, and they'll all look around the room, and the head coach will say, this is our guy. And every coach will hear it and know. Well, actually, uh, you know, since both have tons of confidence in their offensive coordinator, I think the coordinator will go. We'll look around the room and say. Well, look, no, I, I, the coordinator will go and say, "This is. I think this is who we should go with. We should go with this guy. And the coach will say, okay. And then, I don't, I don't know, maybe the coordinator will announce it. Uh, uh, but but the head coach maybe announce it too. Although I think the the other coaches will know. I think the defensive coaches aren't concerned about it in the least, actually. Uh, I don't think Gennaro Gilford is sweating over who's going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, that's <laughs> he thinks not it'd how be a, he, 
He thinks at the end they will pick a quarterback, and meanwhile he needs to focus on right. his guys. His job, his livelihood yeah. is based on his his guys exactly. So he'll roll with it no matter who they decide to go with. He'll just say, okay, great, yeah. It it won't matter to him uh, because they've Morgan Scally's got a defense to coordinate, and those guys are so absorbed in what they're doing that it won't matter. Uh, but I also think they will they will know because they see everything. And they have to go up against those these guys this time of year, and they know who gives their, in the case of like Janaro Gilbert, who gives his DBs the most uh, trouble. So he'll know, but he's not concerned about it. And we both heard former players say that the players know even before it's announced. They can figure it out. I mean, they're watching every snap in practice too, and they know. Yes, they're yeah. They're either watching or once playing. in a while it's close, and once in a while they'll think, oh, they picked the wrong guy. And I think it is close at the U, and I think it's it, it's close in a good sense at BYU. I think Jaron Hall will be the starter, but I think it's close enough to where this time there's no BS in saying we're comfortable with uh, whether it's Romney or or Conover. Conover over to a lesser extent because he has zero. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I honestly but, thought but they, you were going to say Romney when you said that. But I think they're they they're believe, confident with Conover in the long run. But I think I they would acknowledge there might be short term pain. I think they if they devoted the starter snaps to him in practice, I think they believe they can get him ready, and they would adjust the game plan. The game plan would be different with him versus Jaron Hall. I mean, that's just, of course. Well, I wonder how much that is the deal. And you got to be careful because coaches can't say everything publicly. They're just not going to. What do they need to say publicly? But do they pick, are they picking a quarterback because of the style of quarterback? You know, I want a mobile quarterback. Hall is more mobile. We're going to go with Hall. The, the rest of the game is, is close enough. No, I don't think that's why they're picking. Or they think... This guy's more productive, and if the other guy was more productive, I'd go with him. I don't really care about the mobile quarterback. I think they all can move a little bit. Uh, I think that they're going who they believe gives them the best chance to win. They are fiduciaries of the football Oh, stop. They are. It's my fiduciary responsibility (laughs) to pick a mobile quarterback. It's not. No, it's their fiduciary responsibility to pick the one who gives them the best chance to win. That's what they got going. That's what it's about. That's all they're concerned about. Who gives them today, being game day, the best chance to win? Who gives them the best chance to beat Arizona and to beat Utah? Just right down the schedule. Right. And for first game anyway, I can't guarantee you the second game. Who knows what's going to happen? Cam Rising got hurt early in the first game of the first quarter of the first game. 14 snaps, famously. So who knows? Now at the U, I think it's tighter than it is at BYU. Which is a little bit of a surprise. Rising's really come on. I don't think it is a surprise. I mean, you've been downgrading Rising for a good while. I don't think it is a surprise. You told me a long time ago you thought Brewer and Hall were going to be the starting quarterbacks. And I I can't put a date on it, but it seems either spring... Well, I didn't know Rising was going to be 100%. It was a serious injury. He didn't play in spring. 
So I had my doubts about his ability to compete at the level he needed to compete at. Now they're telling me that he's competing at the level, healthy-wise, he's at the level that allows him to compete at a at, high level. At his high level, right. Yeah. So that was unsure at that time because I knew it was a serious injury for sure, obviously. He suffered it in November, and he wasn't throwing, playing, doing anything that he needed to do in March and April. So that dictated it was a serious injury. But I, I think that he's competing well. He had an outstanding camp last year. So there's something to it. The kid's got some – I love his quiet confidence. So we should trust quarterback transfers more these days than we used to because everything's changed. Because that would mean the Utes have two quarterbacks – who are performing at a pretty good level. Oh, they'll tell you, they got three or four. Who transferred, who are ready to go to start this okay, year. Okay, they got three transfers. They got two from Texas and one from Brewer, or one from Baylor. So they got three. But Jackson isn't in the hunt to start. No. The other two are playing at a higher level. Doesn't mean Jackson can't contribute. Wildcat, you know, some kind of goal line red zone stuff maybe. Because he can run the ball, gives you an extra blocker and all that stuff, and makes the defense spend more time preparing for something else. Coaches love that stuff. I'm more intrigued with Utah to see who they decide. When they say it's neck and neck, I believe them more than I believe BYU. Why is that? Because I think it literally is. This close. I think at Utah, at BYU, Hall's got the lead. They just don't want to say it. And they, they want the other kids to be motivated and to think that they're in it to see what they could do. Now, we still have 15 days, as you say. Although, once we get into game week, I don't think right. they're going to be flip-flopping at that point. So, we basically have another week. That's why, that's why what you said about this weekend you don't want it to go past this weekend. And I know BYU's I got two weeks, but I, I think even if they don't say it publicly, they need everyone to know this is our guy. When he steps in a huddle and says something, he's the leader. Follow him. Believe it. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of pressure on BYU at the start because of the fact that you know you are playing a Pac-12 team. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rebuilding Pac-12 team, no doubt. But that just means you better beat them. Whereas Utah... They can play a, a C minus, and they're going to beat Weber. And, and Jay Hill's done a phenomenal job there. But there's a difference. We but know the Pac twelve to the Big Sky. Yeah, you ought to win, be able to win and an upper without, tier without Pac-12 playing team. Yeah, right. Upper tier Pac twelve, upper tier Big Sky. Mm-hmm. But you ought to be able to make some mistakes and still win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And that program is at that level that that's the case. So there isn't as much pressure. Uh, they. It's not like it's you know it's a meaningless scrimmage. I'm not saying that, but I think that BYU can do nothing in the first game that anybody will give them any credit for. All they they'll do just is rip take, on Arizona. It. It's if like they the, just thrash like, Arizona. You can't win the Masters on Thursday. You can lose it, even if you shoot a 61, and that's great. But so what? But Arizona's not going to tell you anything about your ability to beat Utah. 
Or it's, well, I guess it could tell you that you can't if you go out That's there and you're saying. just terrible. That's right. what I'm saying. So but it's not going to guarantee. On Thursday, that tells you yeah. you're out. <laughs> 61 doesn't tell you you're in. Tells you you're going to make the cut probably. But it doesn't tell you that you'll be right. in but the final on Sunday. You go out and shoot a 77 and everybody yeah. starts watching other people. Yeah, you're gone. Where did you're, Phil shoot an 80? Which major was that? British maybe? Yeah, I think it followed up after... Uh, after PGA, maybe it's the U.S. Open, whatever. So we stopped watching him. With that in mind, you know, But if they, if they do, boy, maybe blow him out fifty-two zip. But it's actually even that. I wonder if they blow him out fifty-two zip, boy, well, yeah, Arizona. It, the reality is BYU rarely gets credit for doing anything. Beat him in a down year. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's Every- like three victories in the history of the school. That you can't rationalize away. Miami. Yeah, and of course, that's number one. That's number one. Yeah. It's a go-to. Right. <laughs> Miami went like 10-2 and two that year. Yeah. It was a down year. They lost two games. And whoop-de-doo, you got lucky. <laughs> they had to travel all this way out. You got lucky one time. But BYU rarely gets any credit. I think you can go Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl, too. Wasn't that a pretty good Kansas State team? Yes. That's why they were in the Cotton Bowl. They, yeah. were, they were ranked in the top 10. Yeah. So that's two... And there must be one more we can't think of off the top of our head. <laughs> well, Did they get credit for beating Oklahoma down in Dallas in the season opener? No. no Oklahoma lost hurt. our quarterback. Bradford got hurt. Yeah. Of course, you hurt him. If they hurt <laughs> your quarterback, it'd prove that you're not big enough and physical enough for that right. level of football. Right. But if you hurt their quarterback, it's just bad luck for them. Yeah. You had a, what was it, Clawson fell on, the, on Bradford's shoulder. Just Boom. perfectly so. Yeah. And it just so happened on the turf, you know. Uh, so, of course. That was well, it. Well, what about the Texas wins? Either one of them that get banked no, for their buck no, out of there? No, they fired Manny Diaz. He was <laughs> fired on the tarmac. <laughs> no, Mac Brown How was about, out the door. Uh, either. No. I, I think the, the Beck to Harleen, wasn't that a 10-win Utah team? No, five, I believe you are. No. No, it was not a no, 10 No, 05, um, it was 06, it would have been an 8-win Utah Okay, team. it was it was Max Hall then beating yes, down there. Yes, yes, that was a 10-win. That was a 10-win. That was a 10-win. In 09, yes. All right, so that's three. We got three. Right. Now four. I want four games that BYU. <laughs> I only said three. In the history I know you of the did, program. but I want to prove you wrong. We need yeah. a fourth. Come on, people, rally. Yeah, I knew that. I knew it was a 10-win team. I didn't remember which when one. When Croton went 12-0, did you get credit for any of those wins before they lost the last two? At Mississippi State? No, that was so weird. And that was that. Uh... What about when they beat Notre Dame in the season opener? What about when Lavelle beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame? No. No, that doesn't count either. 94 Two Notre Dame wins. <laughs> Dismissed. What about Penn State when Joe Paw? They got Joe Paw. They did. You're right. What did they have there? I will have to find out. There's probably a seven-win Penn State team. No, I think that's a joke. I think going to Wisconsin and beating Wisconsin is a heck of a win. That was a big win. Now, Wisconsin only ended up with seven wins that year, but still, that was I was in that stadium, and I couldn't believe it. I do think that when teams leave early in the season, when they lose early in the season, they think they're good. It punctures that air of, in, of inevitability. We're good. We're going to destroy everybody. I think teams do get wrecked sometimes by those big – Big losses early in the year, especially if they're to a team that doesn't have the Power Five or BCS, you know, whatever area you're in, whatever we're calling those teams. True, I think I agree A&M's, all that. A&M's had two seasons wrecked, one by Utah, 
and won by BYU. Sarkeesian beat him in a really entertaining high-scoring shootout in 96 to start the Cotton Bowl season. And Urban Meyer's Utes thrashed A&M to open the season. And I think those then turned out being six and seven win A&M seasons. For teams that are pretty highly thought of. And obviously, mm. they had those games pretty good as wins. That would just turn the team into seven and eight wins right away. But it introduces doubt. The, the Wisconsin win, I can argue, best win in independent era. And I, I've been around this country covering college football. Sing it, Johnny. And I don't think I've ever been in an atmosphere like Madison, Wisconsin on game day. I've been to some awesome places. I went out to Wisconsin. It's got to be the most true college town feel I've ever experienced. I hear people with SEC experience getting very upset. Well, I don't care. <laughs> I've been to Baton Rouge. I know you have. You and it was U- sweet. I saw Utah State game. I've been in Knoxville. Like, yeah. Nothing. And those are great. They're all great. And to me, with my background, South Bend is where it's at. But Madison, it was just so stunning to see the entire community, not just factions of it, but literally the whole community. And I took my wife to that game. We went to a Brewers game the night before and uh, and then drove over there. And, and we got there early and so many people, everybody in town, the line to use the restroom at the 7-Eleven was around the block. And we got something to eat, and there's 20 different places that they're just there flipping burgers or whatnot, and they ran out of water. They couldn't. They, they, they ran out of water and soft drinks, but nobody, and this is true because we went to several different places, nobody ran out of beer. Well, Wisconsin fans <laughs> dried up the two bars in Provo. If you... It's unbelievable. <laughs> How much beer they have? Yes, all these places, yes. And that place is huge, and it was sold out. It was just, and it was blazing hot, too. There are bars in their student union building. It's. I would have thought they would have been run off the field to the point where I wasn't going to go cover that game, but Scotty says, no, you got to go. He says, no, you need to be there. And then they freaking win it. It was just a stunner. And Wisconsin didn't go 0 and 10. They only won. They only won seven games that year. But if you're looking for a fourth game, under the circumstances, on the road, that that game, that environment, I got to put that one there. If you want that fourth win, I got to put that there. That Penn State team uh, went seven and five. Yak. They started out good, five and zero, but then they played a bunch of ranked teams and lost them all. Okay, I'll put and, that and, fifth. And they lost unranked. So unranked, that's my top BYU. five. And I don't even remember what year it was. We've got to be forgetting another game. What about beating USC? Did they get any bang for the buck there? Beating SC in overtime at home? SC was ranked at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think going on the road, it, Madison, it was tougher than Provo. because you, And plus you had a freshman quarterback starting victory. his first game on the road. right? But that was a great win. 
great, great, absolutely great win. But I would just put Wisconsin under the circumstances and environment, just a skosh ahead of the SC win. Yeah, I take I take road over home. That's I think that's always a factor. I think it's a big deal in college football. Signed on. When we come back, Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach, Damian Lillard, the Blazer, the Wildcat, great. Coming back for a game tonight at the D Event Center. We'll talk with Randy Ray next and David Locke at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Randy, good morning. Good morning, DJ, PK. How are you guys? Okay. We're good. We're good. We know you've got a uh, game coming up. Damian Lillard's coming back, and uh, PK mentioned uh, a couple days ago he saw the rosters, and he thought, oh, Randy's a genius. He stacked his team. I got the first pick. I'll take Damian Lillard. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Coach Jill Cravens is going to help with the other team, and we had a little social last night, and uh, he said, well, nobody called me about the draft, and I see the teams are already drafted, and I said, well, it really only took about uh, two seconds because I got to pick first, and I said, I'll take number one, and then I left, and I said, you can have the rest. We're good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I, I hopefully, I think that purple team's favored, but I think it was five and a half points or something, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I think it's really cool that Lillard obviously played in the Olympics, so his summer has been busy. The season went longer than it normally did, but yet he still takes time to come back to Ogden to do this. So speak about that in terms of his commitment to the program. Yeah, PK, that actually blew my mind because we are scheduled to do the alumni game this summer. We do it every other uh, every other summer. And when he committed to go play in the Olympics, I didn't even bother him with it. I just said, well, obviously, he's got so much on his plate and he's not going to have time to do it. And it was probably three weeks ago, maybe three, a little bit over three weeks ago. But anyway, I'm just sitting around one night and I get the text from Damien. It's right before he left for Tokyo. And, and he says, Coach, I still want to do the alumni game. Can we get it together? And I it kind of blew my mind, and I was like, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, I love it." He says, "We got to do this. Can we get it together?" And I says, "Yeah, we can definitely do it." And and uh, but yeah, that, that that tells you who he is, and and uh, you know how much he means to our program, but how I think uh, how important Ogden and Weber State are to him. And this is his home. This is his second home, and he's. Everybody here is like family, and he loves doing it. And, you know, when he comes back here, he can just be, you know, he's bopped her out. I know last night we had a little social for all the players, and everybody's just messing around, having some fun. And then last night uh, uh, his uh, fiance, his wife-to-be, said, we're just going to meet him. We're going to go down to Texas Roadhouse and have a meal. You know, and he's just going to bop in there like nothing. And <laughs> he feels like he can do that in Ogden. So that's why he likes coming back, and he gets to just be Damien. People don't mob him because I remember getting sent up there by Channel 2 to cover a draft party that uh, I think a student put one of the student body leaders, maybe somebody put it together and it was massive. And he wasn't there because he was a high pick. I I think he was at the draft, but it was huge. I mean, everybody in Ogden turned out. Everybody felt like that's my guy. So I'm surprised he can go anywhere. Yeah, now I'm sure he, I'm sure the heads were turning last night when he <laughs> when he walked in, and I'm sure. But you know, it's funny because people obviously are 
excited to see him, but they also respect his privacy and, and that type of thing. Now I'm sure there's, you know, and Damien's so good with people. He, you know, if he's at, if he's having a meal, whatever, last night and people come up, he's going to, he's going to talk to him. He'll sign stuff, take pictures, you know, because he just, you know, he feels like this is his kind of his second home. And, uh, so I'm sure he gets a little bit, you know, of attention, obviously, but, but people have always been great about kind of respecting his privacy and, you know, and, uh, but Damien accepts it and, uh, and he loves it. He loves it. Relive the story about how Damian Lillard got to Weber state in the first place. Oh boy. It's a long story, but I'll try to condense it. PK. Um, we, uh, his AAU coach that he played for is a really good friend of mine. And he called me, it was Damien's junior year, January of his junior year. And he asked me if we need a guard for the upcoming year or whatever it was. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I got a guy and nobody's recruiting him. And, uh, I trust this guy, you know, with, uh, with my life. He's, and I said, okay. So we started calling Damien. We hadn't seen him play. And, uh, he was, I think I told everybody he was not good on the phone. He hated to be on the phone. Didn't so uh, I talked to him a little bit and tried to get a relationship going. And, well, finally we get a chance to go out and see him in April when the uh, recruiting period opens up and me and my assistant go watch him play. And I looked at my assistant and says, we can't get him. He's too good. And nobody was recruiting him. But we had offered him a scholarship right away after we saw him. And then we started recruiting him, you know, and, and getting to know him. And I'd call him every week a couple times, whatever it was. He got out there in July and started playing good. And all of a sudden, bigger schools were starting to come see him. And I told my assistant, I said, look, we're going to get blown out of the water on this one. But, hey, we, we, we were the first ones. Let's hang with it. And so we get to September, and it's time for him to take visits. And Damian didn't want to take he was slow playing the recruiting. He, he was kind of shy that way. He didn't really want to take visits. And finally we get to the point where it's end of September and I had to get somebody. And if it wasn't going to be Damien, I had another kid I could get. So I called Dame and I said, Dame, you either got to come out this weekend for a visit or I got to go a different direction. And he says, okay, I'm coming. Me and mom will come out. So they came out the next weekend. Uh, everything went really well. Gina came with them and we had a good visit. And then the next week after that I went to his place in Oakland and did a home visit with him and his family and and uh so we did the home visit and um with the dad and everybody and uh and so and we were very honest in recruiting. I was I think I told the story that, you know, I was telling uh Damien and his family, I says, Hey if you come to Weaver State, you you're gonna go to class and if you don't go to class I'm gonna send you home and if you don't work hard every day, I need a guy that's gonna be an everyday guy and if you don't I'm gonna send you home and my assistant's kicking me. He's like, hey, what's easy now? Uh, and, uh, and I told him, if you don't play for your teammates, and this is kind of how we do our recruiting spiel, we try to be as honest as possible. If you don't play for your teammates and give up yourself for the team, I'm going to send you home. And then I said, now, on the other hand, if you'll embrace those things I just talked about, you're going to love the results, and you're going to be a better player, better person, better student, all these kind of things. And anyway, we get done. Uh, and there's a lot of people there. There's aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces. There's probably 30 people there. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave and I can't find Damien. And Gina, the mom says, I says, Hey, Gina, I got to go. And she says, can you hold 10 minutes? And I saw Damien and the dad in the backyard. And, uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I can hold. And so anyway, pretty soon here comes Damien. He comes walking in and I think I told this story quite a few times, but I'm against headbands, right? I thought I didn't like them, and Damien used to wear a headband. And Damien comes walking back in with the dad, and he's got this very serious look on his face, and he comes up to me and says, Coach, 
He says, if I come to Weber State, can I wear a headband? And, and I'm like, oh, no, I, I was hoping this wouldn't come up. <laughs> now I got now I got to make a decision, right? Am I going to lose this kid over a damn headband? <laughs> uh, and anyway, so I, I put my head down. I looked up. I looked him in the eye, and I said, Damien, I don't like headbands. And he looked away, and I want all our guys to, we're all going to dress the same here. We would say, you know, I'm old school. We're going to look the same, dress the same, all that stuff. And uh, so he looks away, he gets that serious look on his face, and he, he, he got me good. And I said, oh, my God, I just lost him over a headband. <laughs> and then he finally, you know, he takes he comes back after a few seconds, looks at me, puts his arm around me, says, you think I care about a damn headband? <laughs> I'm coming to Weaver State. So, well, thank God it all worked out. But that's, sorry that took so long, but that's kind of the story in a nutshell. So there are plenty of stories about coaches who get verbal uh, commitments and have that kind of conversation in the living room. And as one coach famously said, verbals don't mean bleep. (laughs) At any point after that, did you hear about another school reaching out to him and think, oh, boy? You know, a little bit, but not really, because, uh, DJ, I I was really close with his AU coach, and – and these are good. And, and I, I knew who Damien was. Damien was as loyal and good a person with values and high character of anybody that I, you know, that we had and, and that we recruited. So, and his mom and dad were the same way, you know, his mom and dad are awesome people. And, and so I didn't, once he made his commitment, I felt really good that it was going to stick because of who he is and because of who his AAU coach is. I mean, this is high character, high integrity people. So I, I won't, I won't, kid you of course it snuck into my mind you know especially after the first few days of the commitment when we got it out there and it was released i was like okay people are going to start to come in and try to change his mind but but i didn't worry too much about it because of who he was you know so thank god it, it he hung tight well the shocker then obviously randy in retrospect this guy is literally going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? He's one of the best players, yeah. probably the best player. If even if he were to leave Portland, I'm not saying he is, but he's probably the best player that they've ever had, and they've had some really good players. As to why then, at that time, he's under recruited because it doesn't make any sense. You know, PK, I've thought about that a lot. Now, the one thing is he played for the Oakland Rebels AAU team. He did not play for a for a high-level AAU, a high-exposure one that had a bunch of high-major, four- or five-star guys. That's the Oakland Soldiers that come out of that area. And he was approached to play for them, but he was so loyal to his AAU coach that coached him since he was like in eighth grade. You know, that's Damien. He's going to stay with the program that he started with. And that team just didn't get a lot of, a lot of recruiters now. They did find him in July. You know, there's no secrets out there. Once a kid starts playing, everybody starts talking about him. So it did start to hit, but it never hit to the level that, you know, it could have got to, obviously. But Damien was, I know, I I hate the star system, you know, five-star, four-star, whatever. But Damien was labeled a two-star guy, you know, as a junior. And I think a lot of people look at those, and they don't follow up on those. Well, he's a two-star. He's definitely not going to be good enough. And he had that label going into that, that summer. And I think even though he did get San Diego State was on him, Arizona State kind of recruited him, uh, St. Mary's, SMU. It wasn't the level of the big Pac-12s. But I think a lot of those guys get caught up in, 
hey, they look at his name, they see two stars. Well, we're not, even though we heard good things, we're not going to go look at him. He's not going to be good enough. And so thank God, I think a lot of people stayed away because of that. So you've got to look back. You've had a lot of good teams, and you've been to. Have you been to three NCAA tournaments? I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. You didn't go with Damien. How did that all work out? Yeah, yeah. That's a weird thing, isn't it? It's, it's a strange. totally weird stat. Yeah, it is. I mean, we won the league what two or three times, but uh, the one year we we lost it. We we'd won the league by quite a bit. We were best team in the league. We host the tournament. And we played Montana at home, and we're up by tw- in the championship game. We're up twenty. This is the worst defeat I've ever had in my life. But we end up losing. Some kid from Montana goes for forty-two, and we tried everything to stop. We couldn't, and whatever. We lose by one, and that was Damian's sophomore, I believe, junior year, maybe it was. And then the next year, I believe, we won the league. And then, uh, but we had uh, that year. I know. I remember we had some major injuries. We had two or three starters that that got banged up, and we just weren't the same team coming down the stretch when we got to the tournament. And the first year, uh, it was just it was just weird. You know, we were good, but we just couldn't get over the hump in the tournament a couple times because of injuries, and a, a, a couple times just because we got beat. You know. You know, it's funny because you lose the wrong game at the wrong time. And we lost in the championship game a couple times, and it was just weird. And so, yeah, yeah, I wish we could have a do-over. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> also, I saw on the list uh, a kid that was a real tough kid and played in the NBA, Eddie Gill, right? He's there, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. What's he up I to? I love Eddie. He's, uh, you know, he's doing t- TV and radio for the Indiana Pacers. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I've stayed in touch with Eddie. I recruited Eddie when I was at Colorado State, and he ended up going to Weber State, and I got to know him then. But uh, we've stayed in touch. He comes back a lot, and he was at the reception last night. He's doing fantastic. Looks great. Looks like he can still play 30 minutes. Uh, you know, he played, what, three, four years in the NBA for the Pacers? Um, great kid, tough kid, really, yeah. really good. But, yeah, he's, he's doing TV and radio stuff for him, loving it. Doing great, has his family, two kids, they're in college, both playing basketball. They're doing wonderful. Uh, another guy that Weber State fans have a soft spot for, Harold, the show, Arsenault. How much or how little <laughs> are you in touch with Harold? You know, actually quite a bit. Uh, he uh, he came back and played a couple times. He's not going to make it this uh, tonight for the game. But uh, but we stay in touch. You know, he's he was in Mexico playing for a long time, and, and uh, he would talk to us about certain players down there if we needed to recruit him. Last I heard, I believe, uh, don't quote me, but I think he's in Atlanta or in that area, but he's still, if he, you know, he's still working with kids, and he'll call me or text me, Coach, I got a guy, come check him out, that type of thing. But uh, Now, Harold is not and would not be in the same playing shape that Eddie Gill would be in. <laughs> 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 he came back a few years ago, and he Harold is the, is the best guy ever, and he's funny as heck. And he's probably thirty, forty pounds overweight, but uh, but just a wonderful, wonderful guy. It's so fun to have all these guys. And we got guys last night at the reception. We got fifty-five year old guys that are still going to try to play, and then we got twenty-two year old guys that are going to play. We got a wide range, and all these guys, you know, that have played at Weber State, you know. We're, we're, we bring them back. We're still family, right? And and uh, it's fun to see these guys interact and talk about their days compared to the other guys' days. And they get to know each other. And 
and Damien's kind of the straw that you know stirs the pot with everybody. It's it's really a cool deal, and these guys are building relationships that you know even though they're 20 years apart in age, they're gonna they got to know each other. They're gonna stay in touch now. I think for the rest of their lives. I think it's really cool. And it's open to the public, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, seven dollars a ticket. Uh, it's all general admission. So first come, first serve on the best seats. Uh, I think we'll have good attendance. We always have. So hopefully a lot of people show up. It starts at 6.30. Damien's actually doing an autograph session uh, from 5 to 6 in the uh, north concourse of the D Event Center. And that's always very popular. So there will be some pretty <laughs> long lines for that. But, I would think. Uh, but then we'll, uh, then we'll have the game. There will be some shooting contests some three-point contest that a lot of guys will do, and then we'll play the game. And and uh, Damien's going to play. Um, you know, I, I told the guys that I drafted last night, or the guys on the team, I said, hey, you guys get to play with Damien. That's a good thing. Now, the bad thing is you're not going to get a lot of shots because <laughs> Damien's playing on your team. So <laughs> you'll get up a few. So it should be good. What I want also, uh, maybe, I don't know, halftime or at some point during the game, have Joe Cravens do an exhibition and tell us what a block and a charge is. Yes. <laughs> He's got to go to the corner of the court. We all know the clip. It was epic. We all saw it. I saw it a million times. And I, to this day, when I, I sometimes I get together and golf with Joe. And I'll bring it up. I'll do it on the golf course once in a while just to remind him. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that, PK, when I see him. I want to see it. Oh, that is hilarious. He might do it. You know him, Joe. You know Joe. Yeah. He's the best guy ever. He might do it for fun. I uh, think it would be hilarious. That was awesome. <laughs> it was. The best thing I've ever seen. Oh, gosh. He's <laughs> <It was> great. <laughs> Uh, I got to go search YouTube and see if that lives. I need to see that again right now. <laughs> that hey, might have been the DJ, funniest. If you, if you, hey, if you find it, DJ, please text me. I, <laughs> I will. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> because then I'm going to go before the game and I'm going to show them. I'm not, I'm, seriously, I want to see it, so I'm going to show it to them. So <laughs> have some of the younger guys seen it? I mean, the older guys probably talk about it all the time. Like Damien wouldn't necessarily know that. I mean, he'll find it hilarious because everybody oh, he finds will. it hilarious. Oh, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, Damien, I will show it to Damien as soon as I, if I get it. He's working out this morning. I'll, uh, if you get it to me anytime, I'm, uh, I'm looking. I'll show it to I'm him. literally I'll looking show it to for it right now. I'll show it to Eddie and all. Dave, uh, Joe's got three, or four guys: Pat Danley, Eddie Dill, uh, Eddie Gill. I'll, I'll make sure I show it to those guys again, just to remind them. Okay, so if. Um... If anyone out there, I'm looking for it right now, but if anyone out there has it, tweet the video and tag me on it, and then we'll make sure, and tag Weber State on it, and we'll make, we'll make sure you get it one way or another. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. And they can just look. If somebody's out there listening got myself, just text it to me, too. I'm not a Twitter guy, so I don't know how to work that stuff. Dude. All right. Well, I'll, I'll call Paul yeah. Grua, and he'll take care of you. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. That'd okay. be really fun. Really All right. cool. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach. Some good stories right there. And if you haven't seen the Joe Gravens video, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's just absolutely hilarious. Coaches, completely into it. And out of control at the same time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. All right, David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz, coming up in about 10 minutes. Stay with us.
The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 130. Hans and Scotty are counting down the top 60 and 60, counting you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60, presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz, coming up in just a couple minutes. PK, Nicole Auerbach with a story that the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC are expected to make a formal announcement about their alignment soon, perhaps early as next week. But you've seen follow-up stuff from other people because all the national people are chasing this, trying to find out what they might be announcing. And what they might be announcing is not the stuff people really want to hear about. Yeah, a guy at uh, ESPN was just checking it out, uh, David Hale. He writes for them. He has uh, like 10, just has a thing I saw, 10 breakout players expected in college football. And he put, uh, he wrote out, as I said last week with the Alliance talk heating up, set your expectations low in the short term. I've been told by multiple ADs that their quote is no financial component to the conversation so far and that quote, no one is tearing up future schedule contracts. Talks are philosophical. And that's what I think. So one of the philosophical things that Nicole mentioned is how many sports you sponsor. And so if you follow out this whole governance, NCAA Constitution thing, maybe they help close the gap with the SEC by making the SEC sponsor more sports. Yeah, well, they've got two more. The Big like Ten, 22 to 19. The Big Ten averages 25 sports per campus, the ACC 24, and the Pac-12 23, SEC mm, 20. 19.9, I'm going to round them up. I rounded every, everybody is at like .8 or .9. I rounded everybody up. So, make them add two or four more sports. And why? Spend a little, because it costs them a little bit of money. I know, but why do they have to add them? Because <laughs> you're going to set these ground rules for how, you you don't want the NCAA Division three, two, and, and even the smaller slash less important D1 schools setting your rules. So, you're going to set the rules, and now these three. Yeah, but the rules are going to set to whatever AC, the SEC agrees to set them at. Well, not if they get outvoted. Okay, the fourth. So what? Then we'll leave. Teams. And then we'll invite Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame, and, and then we'll really be separate. And you people will be Triple uh, A, or you'll be Four A. Ever heard of that that guy who's really good in the minors but can't get it done in the majors? Yeah. He's yeah. a Four A player. Yeah, they've actually said that about whole Padre teams. Yes, yeah. he's Quadruple A. So that, no, he's good enough to be on a roster, and he can't win a thing. I don't see that. If whatever you have, if the SEC isn't in it. You don't have much. So you're actually leaning towards what I brought up a couple times, and I'll bring up again. Go ahead. The SEC, at 16 teams, at some point, is going to go to 20 or 24. If they want to. And they're going to pull big dogs, and they're going to try to be the only game, or at least the biggest game, and really be the only conference at the level they're at. And ace everybody else out. As long as they invite the Devils, I'm good with it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where they're going. And whatever these other three do. Got to play golf in the winter. <laughs> I think they got Florida. So, yeah, you can golf we get mosquitoes in and whatnot. You can golf in Florida in the winter. It's not as good. 
All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, David Locks, Radio Voice of the Jazz. Too many retirees, they slow you down. Because <laughs> there's no retirees in Arizona. But it's not too many. Okay. Because they got more courses per capita. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.